Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We have seen that God is holy and that he has called us to be holy. And I think it's most significant that as we wrap up this 11th chapter of Leviticus, and I would invite you to take out your Bibles now and find that location, the book of Leviticus and chapter 11. And we're going to see two things as we wrap up tonight. Now, he's going to give us more instructions in regard to Kashrut, these dietary laws. But the two things I'm speaking of is that he has called us to be holy and he's done so within this chapter, at the end of this chapter, having taught us what is permissible and what is forbidden. And it's when we agree with God that we are holy. We, of course, must agree with the gospel. That's foundational. But we are declared righteous through that gospel. We have that eternal hope. All of that's true through the grace of God, through the sufficiency of the cross. But holiness is not just a declarative state, but also it should be a state that we enter into by action, by deeds, by behavior. And again, I always have to be careful because I say such a statement as that and people will say, are you teaching a a salvation by works? No, I am not. I have never, I have always strongly denied that. But what I will state and what I strongly believe is this, that when we are saved by God's grace, when we receive that free gift of eternal forgiveness, of eternal redemption by what Messiah did in our behalf, we didn't do it. We receive it as a gift through God's grace that we access by faith. So it's a free gift. But having received that, there are some implications. There are some results. We become born again. We become a new creation. We are regenerated. And therefore, we should behave now by means of that spirit, by means of our new condition, We should begin to act in obedience. Are we saved by obedience? Of course not. But having been saved, we should desire to be obedient. And as we grow and mature in our faith, there should be an increase of obedient deeds. That's what discipleship should produce in our life. So we should be holy, not just declarative because of the gospel, but that that holiness should also manifest itself in behavior secondly we need to have discernment and i would offer to you this this principle as we take seriously the laws of kashrut the dietary laws 
one of the outcomes that god is revealing to us here is through obedience to that comes a discernment comes a godly perspective we'll see that at the end of our time together let's begin leviticus chapter 11 we left off with verse 23 so obviously now we're going to begin in verse 24 and how does it begin and these and the next word is a word of defilement of impurity of entering into a state of being unclean and what he's saying is this these types of behaviors render us unclean and what is that well he says everyone who touches their carcass now we're talking about animals and by the way it doesn't matter what animal if an animal is dead we should not touch it now obviously there are some exceptions we need to perhaps bury that animal remove the animal from where it is but there's consequences realize something there is a significant difference and it's very important that you hear this there is a significant difference between being unclean and being sinful we can do something that god says not to do and it renders us unclean it is disobedient but it is not that there is a requirement for something to bring about a change in our status as far as an offering and such we're going to see that sometimes it's simply time and a washing that brings us back to the state of purity because we're talking about a spiritual or a ceremonial uncleansiness not sin now is it sin to disobey god yes but in this case we're talking about it in a different way look again everyone who touches their carcass what will happen by touching it we're told not to but sometimes we must do so it's not an act of disobedience it's simply an act of of removing the dead carcass and it says one who does so will be unclean until evening verse 25 and everyone who carries and this is this removal that's how many scholars see this from the rabbinical perspective those who and it says everyone who carries their carcass away what is he supposed to do well he is supposed to wash his garments his clothes and again this one who perhaps buries or simply removes it from a location where we don't want a carcass to be this one will be unclean until evening so some will say if you touch it but sometimes we touch something by accident unintentionally but in the second case we with kavana which means intention because of a purpose we do it intentionally therefore not only are we unclean until evening but we also are called as it says here he will wash his garment and be unclean until evening verse 26. now many times when you look at the english they add words now sometimes adding words are necessary for simply conveying the literalness of the biblical language other times it's for the purpose of of interpretation 
And many times in this passage, and I'm talking about Leviticus chapter 11, they add words that are not there. They mistranslate words. And they do so with in regard to a false interpretation. They haven't understood it correctly. What does verse 26 say? Every animal. So every animal which has that split hoof, but it's split but not entirely. It is not fully a cloven hoof. And this animal, everyone that does not uh, uh, chew the, the cud that it brings up, it says in this case, they are, are unclean for you. So we ought not eat them. And then it says, everyone that touches them is unclean. So now we see what most scholars would see as a safeguard. If it's not for food, don't even touch it. And if you do, what does it say? Everyone who does so, they are rendered unclean. But here, some commentators put in the assumption that it's a carcass, that it's a dead animal. Well, if that's the case, is it permissible to touch a living one? That is a debate within the rabbinical world. For, let me give you an example, a dog. A dog is not kosher. We ought not eat a dog. But can we touch a dog? Well, based upon some commentators and some translations into English, they assume that we're talking about a a dead animal. But it doesn't say that in the, the literalness of the Hebrew text. Verse 27. And all that goes upon its... And here we would have its, its souls, whether it's the sole of the hands or the sole of the feet. Now here again, if we're talking about an animal, we're talking about perhaps paws or, or its, its uh, uh, feet. doesn't have feet like a human, but, but paws, in other words. Among all the animal that goes upon four, so a four-legged animal, It says, these in a general way, these are unclean for you. And now it says, and everyone who touches their carcass, they will be unclean until evening. So here, these animals, and what's the assumption? Well, all four-legged animals that have not been stated earlier by by name or by, by definition. If they have that that split hooves that are fully split, meaning cloven, cloven hooves, and they bring up their cud, then they are permissible. Even though they may walk on all four, like, for example, a sheep or a goat or cattle. But if they do not meet this criteria, all the others, in a general sense, we can learn. They are, are unclean unto us, and we should not touch their carcass. Verse 28, and the one that carries their carcass, again, we learn the same thing. He shall wash his garments, and the implication is wash using water, and this one is unclean until evening. For these, these type of animals and these type of things, carcasses, they are unclean for you. Look at verse 29. Now, if you look at a a 
traditional translation from Judaism, they also do not render what we're going to study in a literal way. They mistranslate it. Why? It says here, Ve'zei lechem. Zei is a word, this. And see if your Bible puts it into the plural, like these things. It's not these things, but it's this. This for you. It is what? It is unclean. What is? Now we have a word. And this word has to do, in the King James, it uses the term teeming. And we can think of this as swarming. Now, some may say crawl, but it's not the normal word for crawl, but rather it's those types of animals, usually insects, that swarm together. But there are also things in the sea that do something similar, and therefore we're come to that. But look at verse 29. This is for you, and it says, unclean. That which swarms, the things that swarm, literally individually, that which swarms upon the earth. And what is that? Well, now we're going to enter into a, a passage that gives many things, names, but most of these, we do not know what they are. Some we do, and I'll try to translate those that we do, but many of those we do not. Look again at, at that text, middle of verse 29. We have, for example, most would say that the first one, Ha-Holed, is the mole. And then we have the Akbar, which is a mouse. And Tzav, Hatsav is a turtle, according to its kind. So what it's saying here is that these things that are mentioned, those things and those that are of its kind, similar within that same species, these are unclean for you. Look at verse 30. In verse 30, we're dealing with a, a group of uh, animals, creatures, that, that are closely related to lizards, different types of livers, lizards. We have the anaka and the koak. And today, the general word for lizard, lata'a, and the chomet and also the Tin Shemet. We don't know today what we're referring to. Your Bible may translate them with words, but we're not sure the identity. But what we are sure, look at verse 31. These things are unclean for you in every, every uh, uh, thing that, that teems or swarms. And everyone, all these things that are, are swarming, they are unclean for you. Everyone who touches them, and it says touches them when they're dead, this one is unclean until the evening. So all of these are unclean. We ought not have anything to do with them. Verse 32. And all which falls upon it from them so all these things and we can imagine very easily that these things do they jump they crawl they can fall so all which will fall upon it from them when they are dead so maybe they die when they're on the wall and they fall into something whatever they fall upon it is unclean 
and from every vessel whether it's of wood or whether it's a garment or whether it's uh, uh, skin in this case we would probably translate that leather or whether it's of sackcloth some other type of garment and every vessel which one does work with it it is unclean and it says what should you do with water it shall be brought so now you can bring water upon it and it's unclean until the evening and then at that time we have ve taher then it becomes pure verse 33 and every vessel of cherish cherish is like an earthen vessel it says which from these things one will fall into the midst so we have an earthen vessel and inside in the midst of it one of these falls it says all which is inside of it it is rendered unclean and it says this earthen vessel it shall be broken verse 34 for all food which shall be eaten which shall come upon it water so the implication is water brings a a change upon the the food now here again this is not water that's used for boiling this is water that comes upon it from a different source not with intent but without intent that water because water brings a variety of different things upon it and it says the water coming upon it renders it unclean and this is true for for every drink which one will drink and in every vessel so if water comes upon a vessel it also renders it unclean verse 35 for all which shall fall uh, or everything we might say that fall from their carcasses the things that we have mentioned upon it meaning all from these carcasses that fall upon it upon it it will be unclean whether it's an oven and here we have karayim which is a a stove top maybe a source of heat uh where fire you put something like a reshit some type of of uh uh thing over it like you have a grill and you put something on it of of iron or metal in order that you can put the food upon it so it says in this case every oven or every what we might call today stovetop uh if that happens it shall be broken or smash and these things are unclean and it should be unclean they are for you so if this should happen then these things are rendered unclean but notice verse 36 if we're talking about water and the water is from a spring or a cistern or a mikveh mime that is a special type of source of water that is acceptable in that case it shall be pure meaning that type of water does not render something impure but the one who touches touches the, their carcass will be unclean so even if there's pure water involved that pure water does not uh, stop one who touches the carcass from being rendered unclean verse 37 
for if should fall from their carcasses so a portion of that carcass upon a seed that is a seed which is going to be planted so if something should fall upon a seed that's unclean from their carcass notice what it says tohor who it does not render it unclean it is pure now why is that now here again this is a supposition but there is much writing concerning this a seed what does a seed have we could use the hebrew word klipa there is something around that that seed and that 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 covering when it's put into a ground it dissolves and we see that that seed comes alive and it begins to produce something and it's that decay of that clip of that covering that uh, we might say shelters it and that's why look carefully at our our text verse 7 if something should fall upon a seed that is going to be planted the fact that that falls upon it from some carcass because there's a covering it does not render it unclean but it is pure but notice verse 38 there's something that can change that and four if water is placed upon the seed and shall fall from the carcass upon it so now we have that there's water the seed is in water seeds are being soaked and then something falls into that container that has a seed the seed has a covering a clipper but because of the water the water saturates all of the seed not just the covering but that covering that clipper that's the hebrew word is porous water goes through and therefore the unclean thing from the carcass contaminates the water and therefore that water goes through the clipa that covering of the seed and therefore it says here that this this seed is going to be rendered look at the end of verse 38 it is going to be unclean for you look now to verse 39 for if will die from the animal now it's singular we might in english want to say if one should die from the animals but it always is looking at things individually so if one of the animal should die which is for you for food but one touches its carcass he is rendered unclean for evening so also what we're learning here is this an animal that's clean that it dies also its carcass renders someone just like an unclean animal unclean for evening verse 40 the one who eats from its carcass he shall wash his garments and he shall be unclean until the evening so now what you have is someone who takes an animal that has been dead so the animal has died it's not talking about one that has been slaughtered it has a different status to it so an animal that's dead but because it's unclean this person eats from it and this one will be unclean until evening and the one who carries 
its carcass, will wash his garments, and the implication is in water, and this one who carries, removes, disposes, this is the, the, the thought, is unclean until evening. Verse 41. Now in verse 41, we're dealing with something that most English Bibles will say crawl, but it's the same word for swarming or teeming. So we're dealing with that type of, of thing that swarms or teams up. All which which teams, the things that team or swarm upon the, the, the land, what is it? It is unclean and you shall not eat. Now again, we learned last week there's exceptions, but in a general thing, if it does not meet those exceptions that we talked about last week, those few types, it is generally unclean and it shall not be eaten. Verse 42, and all which goes upon the belly, all which goes upon all four. So what goes upon its belly? Something like a a snake a crocodile something like that now i realize that an alligator or crocodile has has legs but it says here the one who goes upon all four all it says unto all that have uh, multiple many legs so this would be like a centipede or a millipede something that has many legs all that swarms that swarms upon the earth some will say crawl, but it's literally the word for swarming upon earth. It says here, all these things that have many, many legs, many feet, we might say, that crawls upon its belly or crawls upon all four, it says, they shall not be eaten. You shall not eat them. For, look at the end of verse 42, for they are an abomination. Verse 43. Now here, and beginning in verse 43, we just have a few le- verses left. We're getting into some summary statements. And I would suggest to you that these summary statements is where the wisdom, the important things of this passage that we've studied, this 11th chapter, these important things are found. Verse 43. Do not uh, make your souls an abomination. For everything that that swarms, that teams up, that is swarms, they, it says here, do not make yourselves unclean by them, for you are made unclean by them. So all these things that that team, that's the, the, the King James word, everything that swarms, it says, you know, do not render yourself unclean by them. They make you unclean by them. You shall be unclean by them. For I am, and here's what we get into the interesting part. For I am the Lord your God, and you shall sanctify yourselves. What does that mean? That you obey these things, and it has a sanctifying influence of you. So if you don't obey them, you become unclean, and you're not sanctified but you if you obey these things they have a sanctifying influence in you and you shall be holy ones what does that mean well the word holy relates to the purposes of god when you embrace these things you're going to be better equipped 
to have that perspective and God is going to bless you purity unclean no blessing purity blessing you are going to receive God's provision where you can carry out his purposes for he says holy am I and do not do not contaminate render unclean your soul and all these these things that that uh, swarm or creep and now we have that word for creep or or crawl upon the earth don't render don't allow these things to be the things that render you unclean and unfit for service now is it unfit for service indefinitely no we've already said most of these things are until evening verse 45. now verse 45 has something that relates to redemption what is that the exodus from egypt so notice what he says for i am the lord that brought you from the land of egypt what is god wanting to do give us instructions so we don't behave like egypt what's egypt in hebrew prophecy which oftentimes is hebrew poetry what is the number one uh, characteristic of hebrew poetry parallelism what is egypt parallel to the world so what he's saying here verse 45 for i am the lord that brought you up from the land of egypt and he says to be for you for god when god redeems us it's so that he can work in our life and he's telling us here and redemption is a big deal the exodus from the egypt is a big deal when did that happen passover when did messiah be crucified on passover what does the blood of messiah do redeems us not with a earthly or a physical redemption but a kingdom redemption that eternal redemption that's why the blood of messiah is superior more beneficial than the blood of sheep and goats and such so he says here look at verse 45 for i am the lord that brought you up from the land of egypt to be for you for god and you shall be holy what does that tell us that god is for us to make us holy holy one sanctified ones and that is to equip us to serve him and to fulfill his purposes for holy am i he wants us to be like him and i think it's so significant i would just ask you to think about this see most believers they read leviticus 11 and they say well that 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 doesn't have any relevance for us today are you sure are you confident that this is no longer of any interest to god i would strongly disagree with those who say yep this is all of the past no relevant for a new testament believer well let me ask you what is the hermeneutical methodology that says well when we read from verses 1 through verse verse 40 43 no relevance but in verse 43 yes it's relevant because god is saying that he wants us to be holy isn't that relevant today doesn't god want us to be holy today look at verse 46 he says here this is the law it's the word torah 
It is the law. This is the law of the animal. The fowl, that is the bird, and every living thing that that creeps or moves in water, and for every living thing that 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 uh, uh, swarms upon the earth. So all of these things, every animal, every fowl, everything that moves in water, and everything that swarms upon the earth. So now we see it's a conclusive principle that we can apply to all creatures. And what is the purpose? Well, let's look at our last verse and we'll be done. A very important word, lehavdil. Lehavdil is a word that we see also in Genesis 1. And I would, would offer to you that this word is foundational for the believer, for the child of God, for the servant of God. That word lehavdil means to be able to make a distinction. We see that this distinction begins between light and darkness, before, between good and evil, what we could say right and wrong. And what God is saying here is this. We need to learn how to make a distinction. Let's read this verse. To make a distinction between that which is unclean and that which is pure in a general sense so that we will have discernment there is a correlation between making a distinction and having discernment verse 47 to make a distinction between the unclean and the pure and then he says and he links this together and between the the animals that can be eaten and between the animals which you shall not eat now all of this when we look at it within the context of the last several verses of chapter 11 god speaks in some very general things that he's our god and that he wants to be for us he says lechem for you he also wants us to be holy meaning set apart for his purposes he wants to give us discernment so that we can distinguish between purity and that which is impure unclean that which is defiled that which god is not going to have any connection to when i look at the last part of chapter 11 i see some very very important matters and i think it's highly significant that god puts these very significant things that he mentions in the last few verses of chapter 11 he puts them at the end of talking about that those things which are permissible to be eaten and those things which are not permissible to be eaten let me conclude with this you know people oftentimes talk about spiritual principles and say you know here god's teaching us something that can have great implications on us we look for the spiritual not just the physical not just the simple but what we could call the spiritual component and what i would strongly offer up to you is this that there is a very significant spiritual aspect and outcome from these laws concerning what we eat and what we do not eat don't uh, ignore this revelation
It was true for the children of Israel and that mixed multitude that came out of Egypt. And it also has great significance for the believer today who have come out of this world and have a kingdom connection, a kingdom citizenship by the all-sufficient work of redemption that Messiah did on Passover when he died upon the cross. I think we should take with the utmost seriousness Leviticus chapter 11. Well, I'll close with that until next week. And we move on into the next chapter, chapter 12. It's a short one, but again, of great significance. Until then, may God bless you. Shalom. From Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.